And I'm McKenna. And together we're the Daily Profcast. We're two long-distance besties. Who share a love of Harry Potter. We hope you enjoy the episode. Surprise! McKenna rallied the witches back. Even though she's got a tonsil infection, McKenna rallied and she is here to record this Q&A episode with me. I hope everybody's very excited that we get to do this together because it would have been quite boring of just me answering questions. Now I have McKenna here and well, it's going to be much more entertaining. Aaron's voice is never boring, but it is fun mm-hmm. to be here. We're going to be answering your questions. We got some questions on Instagram. We got some questions on TikTok. So we're just going to do a little quick, short, sweet Q&A episode. We like it. Uh, acknowledge that it's crazy we're getting questions from listeners yeah this is awesome we've been wanting to do this for a while and now we finally we have like the listener base to do it more consistently thank you for not only listening but also for engaging like we've gotten not only questions but just like compliments and people just checking in to mckenna do you want to kick off our q a pick your favorite question on here you don't have to necessarily go in order well we got a lot of questions about the quote unquote jkr stuff right we've discussed this in multiple episodes and honestly it's annoying that she keeps doing things that we have to discuss because i sort of wish she would just obliviate from the earth already okay yeah or at least just stop talking publicly so here's the lowdown friends if you haven't heard jk rowling the author excuse me the author is coming out with another book under a pen name, I believe, in, and it's a murder mystery in which the antagonist, the murderer in the book, is a cisgender man who dresses up like a woman and commits murders that way. And so the moral of the story is never trust a man in a dress, which read the room, Joanne. Why would you think this would be a good idea and be a book that people would want to read? Ridiculous. So just another transphobic hateful thing she's doing that, you know, is a danger to trans women, trans men, non-binary people. We just want to reiterate here at the Daily Profcast podcast, we do not support the author. We support the fandom. We support the fandom belonging to the fans, but we don't support the author or any of her transphobia. It's just, it's beyond offensive. It's just, it's just evil. Just continue to engage with us and call us out if we ever say something that, uh, is wrong or goes against what we've just said. So moving on from that topic, though, we're definitely going to continue to talk about it. It's not something we want to talk about once and sleep under the rug because we know it's important, but we got some awesome questions. McKenna, do you want to start us off? Pick your favorite question on here. We don't necessarily have to go in order. I'll tick them off as we go. Okay. So this is a fun one. So Abigail Lee 1399 asks, how did you and McKenna meet? Do you want me to answer it or do you want to go? Oh my God, I want to answer this one. And do it. This is Abigail Lee 1399 on TikTok, by the way. Oh, okay. Hello, Abigail Lee 1399 on TikTok. Thank you for submitting a question. I'm not an avid TikToker, but I do go on all of Aaron's TikToks and I like moderate comments. So if you ever see at the Daily Profcast 2, that's me. You're very good at it. And I don't really make TikToks, but I like to make comments. So how did Aaron and I meet? Aaron and I are both 25 and we met way back in the sixth grade. So I have a very vivid memory of meeting Aaron. I think it's like a Patronus memory. Like, I, yeah, I, it's one of my favorite memories and it's something I remember very vividly, but was it 
first week or two of the sixth grade? It was like, so I moved uh, like a month into the school year. So I moved to Southern California a month into the school year and everybody had already established all their friend groups. Yeah, I had been living in California for just a couple of years. In California, where we went to school, you like did elementary school up until the fifth grade. And then in the sixth grade, you went to a different school for middle school. And it was just like how you were district and where you lived, depending on what middle school you went to, essentially. And middle school is like a much bigger pool of kids than obviously your elementary school is. So I had some friends I carried over from elementary school, but not very many because I had moved in the middle of the year in elementary school early into fifth grade year. So I didn't have a ton of friends. And Erin was new. She was making friends because that's just Erin's personality. Erin's the kind of person who has a million friends all the time because people just naturally want to be best friends with her. She just has that effect on people. It's just you and I is. remember this story differently. <laughs> really? I remember being like, I don't think, not recess. You don't really have recess. In. It was lunch. It was lunch. Yeah. And we have an outdoor campus. And, you know, nobody's very tall in the sixth grade. Everybody's, like, average height, you know? And then I just see this really tall girl in the crowd of people. And I'm just, I'm like, who is this tall girl I haven't seen for the past four weeks? Um, and I went up to her, and I, I'm pretty sure I just asked you what your name was. You did. I just said hello. I don't know. I don't think I would be that brave now. But apparently, sixth grade McKenna was ready to be a little ambassador. And I remember Erin, Erin's very tall. Erin, how tall are you? Six feet tall. Yeah, Erin's very tall. And her in boyfriend's the sixth grade, a giant the, as well. My so boyfriend's also a giant. My, in the sixth grade, I, I was five foot eight. That's very tall. Still, That's yeah. taller than I am as a full grown human. <laughs> I'm like five, five and a half now. Yeah. So you were like, you had inches on me in the sixth grade. And you were even smaller in the sixth grade. Oh, and yeah. I, was t- I was tiny, yeah. So I went up to Erin and I asked her her name. And I asked her, you know, like where she had moved from and like, you know, what her situation is. Erin had moved from a town in Washington that was next door to where my grandparents lived. And I had family there. So we kind of had this connection that like I used to spend all my summers in Washington at my grandparents' house. And Erin was from Washington. So automatically liked her. I love a Northeast girl. But then what I really remember about Erin is that she had needed pink crocheted little purse and it was probably about the size of like what a large iphone is the size of now and it it was just like it was just so dainty on her very tall sixth grade body and inside she had smuckers chapstick lip smackers lip smackers jelly brand (laughs) lip smackers lip gloss and i remember talking to her and i remember she had the crossbody bag which aaron still loves a crossbody okay and she had the little beaded bag and she pulled out her lip smackers lip gloss and i just remember she was just so tall and i think for like a lot of kids i mean maybe aaron remembers this differently that could maybe be a deterrent and making friends because you stick out a little bit more. It's like anybody who's just like a little odd, which everybody in middle school is awkward. Oh, and I was very awkward. <laughs> but Erin, she just has always had that like lovely personality. And Erin made friends really quick. And I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to go befriend this new girl. Little did I know Erin had a ton of friends. She had met lots of people. No, no. No? See, no. You Here's had, what happened. You had all the choir friends. That was later, but the first day when you met me, that you, God is so cool because you walked in at the exact right moment, McKenna. Okay, here's what happened. My first day 
at this new school, like a month into the school year, everybody already had all their friends. I was in one of my classes before lunch and this, this sweet girl invited me to sit with her and her friends. Well, I didn't know till later that this was like, we all have this group in middle school. These were like the popular girls. And this girl was very nice to invite me to sit with her. But I apparently like failed my interview because I went and had lunch with the popular girls and eventually they all left. Like I was sitting there and I was talking to them and then eventually they're like, oh, we have this other thing, bye. And pretty soon after I was sitting by myself, that's when McKenna walked up and started speaking to me and was so sweet and kind. And that was like my, you were like really my first friend I made in, in middle school, really. So no, I did not have lots of friends. You're very nice to think that. No, you walked in at the exact right moment. We had a lot of questions about our friendship, so I don't feel bad spending some time on this. Yeah. It's fun to reminisce, but Aaron and I lived in a small community, like part of a, I hate to say gated community because it makes it sound really bougie, but I guess it kind of was. It was. It was like, but it was like, it wasn't like the bougiest gated community. Yeah, the next door gated community was much bougier. Yeah, we were like, we were like the Walmart brand gated community. (laughs) But we were still incredibly privileged. We lived in a gated community. I'm not going to deny that. Okay, so it was like one long road that kind of went up this hill. And then there was, you know, like little cul-de-sacs kind of branching off the road. And Aaron lived, I kind of lived a third of the way up the hill. Aaron lived all the way up the hill. And so our bus would drive up, pick Aaron up first, and then pick me up. And up until the time I met Aaron, I was that awkward kid, you know, Forrest Gump when he gets on the bus and everybody's like, seat's taken, seat's taken. That was me up until I met Aaron. I never like had somebody to sit with. Yeah. So Aaron was my Jenny and she would always get the bus seat first and then I would get on after her. I would ride my bike all the time up to Aaron's house. We were just kind of inseparable. I don't know. We always did stuff together and we lived so close that we basically just migrated between each other's houses. Each other's houses or like we had a park and like trails and stuff we would go and tool around on and yeah. Yeah. We just been besties. I don't know ever since the 6th grade. I moved Yeah, so the other thing you should know about McKenna and I's friendship is we only lived in the same state and went to the same school for a year. Now subtract that from 14 years of friendship. We've been long distance best friends for like 13 or 14 years. I know. I feel like I want to tell the whole story, but it's a lot. (laughs) Can we have the SparkNotes version? Yeah, we can have the SparkNotes version. When I met Erin, I was living with, I was adopted at two years old and I was living with my adoptive family. We had moved from Arizona to California and my relationship with my adoptive parents was not very good. They had some mental illness and just had a lot of issues. And so I basically like- Can I just say it? Can I just say it? Yeah. McKenna's adoptive family, when I met her that she lived with, was abusive. They were incredibly abusive. Yeah, very abusive. I figured it out very quickly. Yeah, they were abusive. I mean, they were really very, yeah, very abusive. So I didn't like to be home a whole lot because I didn't have a good relationship with my parents and it was a hard place to live. Once I met Erin, she was like really my first friend in in the neighborhood that I could be at her house and, you know, less than 10 minutes. And it was safe for a kid to be walking back and forth and riding their bike and whatever. So I kind of just lived at Erin's house. Um, Besides from just sleeping in my house to go to school, but even on sometimes on school nights, I would sleep over at Erin's house. Yeah. And Aaron's parents, I don't know if they listen every week, but I will never forget 
anything you guys ever did for me. We're getting emotional. <laughs> We're angels for me and Erin's whole family, her grandparents, her aunts and uncles, everybody was just truly saved my life. And so I used to go into Erin's backyard when she was away and just get away from my house and go hang back there. And then in the seventh grade, I abruptly moved. My family sent me back to live with my biological family and Erin didn't really know where I went. She was like the last person I saw before I got on a plane and moved and I didn't have time to tell her and it was just very chaotic and we lost touch for a while. Then at the advent of Facebook, I think we like both got Facebooks and we were able to reconnect ever since we've been best friends, but we've never again lived in the same state. Yeah. Which I um, think is impressive. It's we very are impressive. impressive for, you're impressive. And McKenna's often the one that makes sure that I'm kind of bad about reaching out. I'm like one of those people that's like, I love everybody, but I'm not always good about reaching out and, and talking to people. And McKenna's very proactive about it. So McKenna's really kept the friendship alive, I have to say. But uh, I love you so much. I love you so much. You're the best. That sad story does have a happy ending because I was totally. adopted at 15 and I couldn't have a better family than I do now. Anyway, Aaron and I, it's a friendship much deeper than Harry Potter because I would not be even a fraction of who I am if I didn't have Aaron in my life. So Same, same here. It's forever. Forever, ever. Forever, ever friends. Yeah, forever, ever friends. Every year, no, but it's, it's yeah, been every, every year, year since mm-hmm. we've been like really adults. We kind of switch off going back and forth and who goes to where. And Erin is an opera singer, so she does a lot of auditions in New York. So about once a year, she comes and stays with me. And then my husband and I, we try and take a vacation out to California like every 18 months. So we see each other a lot. Abigail, 1399, we gave you a lot more info than you asked for, but that's how we met. It's a good story. That's how I met your mother. You are my wifey. All right. Next question. So I'll cross that one off the list. Thank you, Abigail. Okay. Z love with three E's 39. Zach, he's on TikTok. Great singer. What's an argument pertaining to Harry Potter that could have ended your friendship? So listen, nothing, nothing pertaining to Harry Potter could end McKenna and I's friendship. I don't think anything can end our friendship. But if, if something were going to get close, we throw down about part one um we throw down about Ginny Weasley I love Henny McKenna does not love Henny no I don't like that at all um who would play Severus Snape yeah because it's like it's obviously Adam Driver you heard about that in our Sorcerer's Stone film episode Uh, um the general talent and or attractiveness of Benedict Cumberbatch (laughs) next question Pilar Sophia 17 asks, thoughts on Cursed Child? Yeah, do you want to start this off? Yeah, so when I say Aaron and I were, were real homies, Aaron got tickets to Cursed Child last December when she was visiting and she took me. Yeah. And I was free 99 for me. So that's just the kind of friends we are. And then I took her to Wizarding World for her birthday. It's just the kind yeah. of friends we are, okay? Yeah. We take turns buying harry potter experiences we take turns spending money our parents do not approve of yeah correct (laughs) correct i had read the book we went to go see the show if you ever have the opportunity to see the show it's incredible like truly truly one of a kind production really good but the plot leaves something to be desired yeah and the image and heap soundtrack we don't have I could words. write 
I could write a dissertation on the Imogen Heap scoring of the play. It's, yeah, it's real good. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, if I, were you, was that, was that your answer? Yeah, I think that was my answer. It was awesome. The plot, not awesome. I, I don't like to personally count that as canon. Yeah, here's, yes, exactly. So here's my thoughts on Cursed Child. Like we kind of said, if you have the opportunity to go watch it, definitely go. I had not read the book beforehand. I wanted to be surprised. I didn't read the book. I actually still haven't read the book. I probably should. So I didn't read it. And when I went to see it, again, if you have the opportunity to see it, go see it. Seeing magic, like the magic of Harry Potter happen in front of you on stage, live, like in front of your face, not across a screen, is, as a Harry Potter fan, one of the best things I've ever experienced. Thank you for that. Pilar underscore Sophia 17. That person's on TikTok. I'm gonna go to another TikTok question. This is from Caprice underscore Sun underscore. Great, great handle. Which of the Marauders- The handle is epic. The handle is epic. That's very cool and clever. I'm assuming that- Caprice. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay, Caprice, we stand you. We stand you. Um, which of the Marauders do you think got their animagus transition down first? I love this question. This would probably be a quick one and not go into a full discussion. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, you're the Marauders queen. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and say, well, I'm going to go ahead and, well, okay, I'm going to rule out Peter Pettigrew, first of all, um, because he was not super known for being a very skilled wizard in right. terms of, like, magic goes. Um, he sort of just, like, tagged along with James and Sirius and Remus, but I'm, there's like Fanon theory that Sirius, you know, just because of how we see him with his, his animagus form in the era of the Golden Trio was really skilled at transfiguration in the first place. Um, but James was also known for being a super skilled wizard. I, uh, I'm gonna say Sirius. I think Sirius probably got his animagus form first. That's just my guess though. That's, I have no canon evidence to back that up. McKenna, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I'm gonna go with James. Okay. Just because I think, even though him and Sirius were both epic troublemakers, I think maybe he was a hair less of a troublemaker and maybe a little bit more studious than Sirius to mm -hmm. be able to get that down. Yeah, that's, that's a fair assessment. That's a fair, that's a fair and accurate assessment of James Potter's character. Cool. Thank you for that question, Caprice Sun. And thanks for that freaking awesome username. <laughs> Just as sane as I am asks, who's the most evil character, the most underrated character, the most overrated character, and the best character? All right, give it to us. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, you want me to go first? Yeah. Or we could each say for each category. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. So, most evil character. Oh, Should we say it on three? One, one two, two, three. Umbridge. So, <laughs> That's not even a hard one. Yeah, I think she's the most pure evil character. She sucks, like in a big way. I actually cosplayed as her to the parks, and had a quite a few people who were heavily disappointed that I. But your cosplay was so good. It was really good. Yeah, the most uh, underrated character. I'm going to go with Neville Longbottom. Neville is not underrated. Neville has a whole army of Oh, are we talking fans. about like like more unknown underrated? Yeah, I think so. Like characters who should have got more. I'm going to say Luna. I think Luna and Neville are in the same category as no, far as like. I think Matthew Lewis got hot. And so there's a whole army of Neville stands out there. Well, that too. But like think about the books. 
Okay. I guess there, you're right. I guess there's probably more Neville content in the books than there is Luna just because we don't meet Luna till later. So I guess, yeah, that's fair. I, I'll say Neville, you, you'll say Luna. I'll agree with both of those. Yeah, I, do, I, I would agree with Neville. I'm just, I think he's more of a common underrated character. You know, yeah. like I think people ride for him more. Yeah, I would also say if you're somebody who has not read the books, Ron is probably an underrated character for you. I like Ron a whole heck of a lot better in the books. Don't make that face at me. She's making a face. I'm learning to love Ron more as I read. Yeah, he's so loyal. Um, he's always okay. the first to stand up for people. Most overrated character? Like as far as, so I would, so are we, t let's, let's define overrated. Are we talking overrated as in like by the fandom or like by the other characters in the book? Um, I think by the fandom. Okay. Who, I, mm, I like kind of love all the characters. So who do you, who are you going to say? Um, I think I might go with, uh, Dumbledore. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, can I change my underrated character? Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna pick my man, Horace Slughorn. Right. Yeah. yeah. The dude was awesome. like a million years old and he fought in the Battle of Hogwarts. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He throws rad parties and he's ancient. Yeah, you're right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I am gonna stick with Dumbledore as my most overrated. Uh, I don't want to copy your answer, but like, that's legit. Um, the simulation is broken when Dumbledore is controlling most overrated character. who's the best character who's lupin yeah for you yeah for me it's lupin i'm gonna go with either draco or snape you just like the you like the sad broken boys it's not really that it's well i don't know i think uh draco probably could have got a better redemption story but i think it's interesting we got a ton of questions about that too like do you think draco deserved a good redemption story mckenna's answer is yes yeah i mean i do but i think the i think where i would have liked to see him or i guess where i like to see him redeemed is really later in life right because she could just close up the book oh draco's a good guy the end does he go down the path that his father went down of just being like a rich, snobby a-hole? Sorry. According to Cursed Child, no. Or does he, you know, have a reckoning with his life? So mm -hmm. that that's where I think Cursed Child, the best part of Cursed Child is the Malfoys. I 100% I agree. 100% agree. Right. I want to see Draco make a lasting change in life. Yeah. Because he's young. He has a whole life to live, right? Like, yeah. As far as, as, as does end at 17. As far as where we leave off with him in the... I guess we don't have to talk about this now. Never mind. Keep it short. Draco or Snape for McKenna, Lupin for Aaron. Shocker. Shocker. Anyway, yeah. cool. All right, next question. I'm going to go to another excellent handle. Padfoot's official wifey on TikTok. Ooh. Great, love that. Great handle. What part of the books did you miss the most from the movies? The part that I missed the most from the movies was them going to visit the long bottoms at St. Mungo's and seeing oh, what happened yeah. to Alice and Frank. Yeah. Sad. Yes. So sad. What I wish they would have included more from the books, which I think a long form HBO style series could be the perfect place to explore this. Have you heard they're developing an HBO Harry Potter series? Okay, I freaking love that. I also just saw that they're developing a Harry Potter video game. So say yeah. goodbye to my 2021. I know what I'm yeah. going to be doing. <laughs> So I wish they would have 
talked more in the movies, and I understand there was like such a crunch on time, but more about the political side of what was happening in the Ministry of Magic and like everything that happens with Percy and sort of, there's like a whole political like law and order drama baked into Harry Potter, which I think really appeals more to adult readers that was totally left out of the movies. You basically just see the ministry has fallen, the ministry leaders are corrupt, but we kind of don't know why, and then that's basically what happens in the movies. But in the books, there's just so much more detail about how Voldemort has, like, infiltrated the ministry and all this, like, internal upheaval, and Kingsley Shacklebolt has a great storyline in there, and Percy has a great storyline in there. There's just so much more to be. Totally. I agree. Developed. I agree. Um, Okay, so that was Padfoot's official wifey. Um, Oh, Magical Tiffany asks, your favorite Harry Potter DIY project? Magical Tiffany is our buddy on Instagram. She's an Instagram buddy. Your favorite Harry Potter DIY project. Do you want to answer first? Yeah, I mean, I don't really do a whole lot of Harry Potter DIY projects. That's really Aaron's uh, realm. But I would say I did put together a pretty sweet cosplay for Umbridge. Favorite Harry Potter DIY. I whittled a wand. Which turned out great. I have a wand that I've made. I really like that. Um, This isn't my DIY project, but my boyfriend hand carved me a wand stand for my wands. That's very cute. It's got the Deathly Hallows on it and some of the footsteps from the Marauders map. The Marauders map. Um, I love that. Yep. Okay. All right. I love this question. So this is another Instagram question. This is from Lauren Sanders underscore 19. And I don't really have an answer to this. It's just a good query though. Yes. So you're the, very smart for thinking of this, Lauren. Yeah, she is. Yeah. There were, we got a couple really interesting, like magical theory or like Harry Potter theory questions. This was one. How do the Dursleys send Harry Christmas presents if they despise Owlpost? And like, why would they go through the trouble of sending Alpost if they're sending him like a toothpick, like his second year for Christmas, they send him a toothpick and 50 cents, pence, whatever. Like what? I don't have an answer. How do they get him mail if they don't use Alpost? Or do they use Alpost? But how do all of the students with muggle parents get mail? I wonder if you send mail to like Hogwarts. Hogwarts either Hogsmeade or like if you like address mail to Hog Hogwarts and it's like through a muggle mail channel if they end up like funneling it to Diagon Alley or something and it go- goes to like Ilops Owl Emporium to get mailed out you know yeah. like if there is another channel for muggle families yeah I'm thinking maybe you could like address it to a post office in Hogsmeade or something and then they like have the owls bring it up to Hog- Hog- Hogwarts yep. great question Lauren thanks for asking that yeah uh, that one Slytherin says, what would you smell in your Immortensia? Um, it's like three things, right? Yeah. Okay. I think like the smell of campfire, mm. warm chocolate chip cookies. And I don't know if anybody's ever done this, but when you like put in boiling water, like orange slices and cinnamon. Yeah. That like just classic-y fall cozy smell yeah I think that's the vibe that's good I'm gonna say the smell of like cinnamon rolls baking in the oven or like monkey bread or something um like the smell of the woods in the mountains and then for a third one you know what like old bookshops smell like yes 
Yeah, that would be like my dusty one. books. Yeah, but like in a good way. Yeah, like like good dusty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be so. Cinnamon baking cinnamon rolls, the woods, and like dusty bookshops. Our last question. This is another Instagram question. This is from Kelsey K ninety eight. What first made you fall in love with Harry Potter? McKenna. Oh, I know. Isn't that a sweet question? Yeah, I mean, I I had a difficult childhood, and Harry just made sense to me. You know, we went through a lot of similar early childhood experiences, and I just, I don't know, I just fell in love with the possibility that there was more outside of an abusive home, I suppose. Yeah, it's a great answer. I think for me, I just, I mean, as a kid, I'd never been immersed in such like a creative and imaginative universe where like anything was possible. And it just like, it sort of opened my eyes to like how, how, sort of wild your imagination can be. Hey guys, love the podcast. So I really want you guys to discuss, because you have so many different ideas with the Harry Potter world, if Dumbledore was good or kind of bad. Because so many people are just totally divided on the subject. Is he the hero or is he just an old man who's just letting everyone else do the work because he didn't want to get hurt until it was literally the last second. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because I kind of see it from both perspectives. I love Dumbledore and I've loved him since I was a kid, but I don't know how he, you know, is actually supposed to act as, you know, an adult who's in charge of children. So please discuss this on your podcast. Hit me up at Carrie Blair 98 on all my socials if you want to talk more about it, but I just don't know. Thank you. Carrie, thank you so much for your owl post on Anchor. We're, we've been waiting for somebody to leave us a voice message forever. You are our inaugural Anchor voice message. Yeah, we love that so much. So thank you. Again, her handle is Blair 98 And Carrie actually said if anybody wants to debate this with her, her DMs are open. So Dumbledore, good. Wow, I have feelings. <laughs> wow, I have feelings. And you know what? I didn't, I, Carrie, I feel the same way as you. As a kid, I loved Dumbledore. As an adult rereading the series, I am starting not to. Yeah, so Aaron and I often make the joke that Dumbledore is like running the simulation. And yeah. Dumbledore is the puppet master. So, Carrie, you said something interesting that I want to talk about. You said, did he just wait until the last second to put himself in danger while everybody else is doing the heavy lifting for him? I'm going to contest this. I do think Dumbledore did put himself in danger in other points throughout the series other than his imminent death. I mean, he obviously was going out and hunting horcruxes. And even before the, like, very powerful horcrux hunting we see where harry goes with him to retrieve the locket dumbledore was going out and researching and looking for horcruxes and how to destroy them on his own before he looped in harry that's how he got the you know hand curse that was going to eventually kill him that's why snape said you probably don't have that long anyway because the hand curse is gonna get you so i don't think he waited until the last second to put himself in danger but he definitely uses the kids and not just harry all them children 
as pawns. But I really think Dumbledore's number one goal is to defeat Voldemort. He's thinking endgame, you know? That's a really good point. It's and like, so it's like utilitarianism. Yeah, it's the ends justifying the means. Right. Is the suffering now worth all the people, all the wizards and witches and muggles who will be safer long term? I think that's a really smart answer. Um, I'm going to agree with that and just tack on to that. I just, I'm, I'm finding that Dumbledore is not as benevolent as I thought he was as a kid, but just like his methods. But I want to think that his intentions are good. You know, like the end, you're right, like the end game intentions. But, but like, gosh darn it, he, he is putting children in danger. That's problematic. Like Dumbledore is now a problematic character for me. I think Dumbledore is one of those characters we're definitely going to deep dive eventually and talk a whole lot about. But this is a very thought-provoking question, Carrie, that just simply can't be answered in 15 minutes or less. Yeah. But long story short, he's not without fault, but he's also not like inherently evil. a bad guy. Yeah. Right. Anyway, those are our thoughts on Dumbledore. Very good philosophical question, Carrie. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. That was good. And with that, we wrap up our Q&A episode. Thanks so much for being here, for listening. Next week, we are going to have Erin Hicks-Moon on. She's a Bible scholar. She's coming to talk to us about just like being a Christian and loving Harry Potter. We're very excited about that conversation. Even if you're not a Christian, I think that's going to be a very interesting episode for everybody to listen to. And then after that, we will wrap up the Chamber of Secrets reread, go on to the film, and then we're on to Prisoner of Azkaban. I can't wait. Which is Aaron's favorite, so that's very exciting for her. (laughs) I can't wait. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited to get to that, and then I'm excited for even beyond that. Yeah. The books just get better and better as you go. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Anyway, this is Aaron and McKenna signing off. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. As always, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you're not a listener on Apple Podcasts, it would still help us out a lot if you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything you heard in this episode today, please drop us a line at our Anchor profile. You can leave us a nifty little voice message there, or you can head to our Instagram at the Daily Podcast to DM us or leave us an email. Thank you.